Welcome, listeners, to episode 35 of They Think Kits All Over, the football shirt show. And in a week where the energy crisis has dominated the news, I'm here to remind you that last year's Puma Third shirts make excellent kindling. In all seriousness, though, please don't go burning any shirts. It's not going to do you any good. And uh, I'm in the interim seat today because Adrian, our usual host, is in Paris. And the rumour is he's meeting a legendary dark-haired person of small stature. So we want to say hello to Mickey from Disneyland, from all of the gang. And who's joining me this week? All right, you got his mic for your shirts. And your neighbourhood grumpy Scotsman, Scott at Flying Scotty. Uh, and uh, scouts are in the room today, Simon doing life. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Simon. You're our deadline day transfer into the pod. And to try and, be, to try and be topical from last week and deadline day over all the transfers done for the summer, I'm going to ask you guys any transfer that's caught your eye. And if so, one that you might get printed on a shirt this year. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know. See, obviously, I'm keeping a keen eye on who Villa have brought in. And this week, we brought in uh, Dendonka from Wolves and Bednarek from uh, Southampton. But um, I don't know if they're shirt worthy. To be honest with you, I'm more worried about who everybody else has brought in because they're more likely to fucking score against Villa. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll be visiting Villa Park tomorrow, and I know that Erling Haaland's going to be ruining my week. <laughs> My week every week, so don't worry. <laughs> Scott, you getting any shirts printed up this season? No, there's been there's been no new moves that have a, that's inspired me into picking up a shirt. So it'll probably just be more of the regulars. Although I think we all have to admit that Neymar has been absolutely on fire for the first for the start of the season. He had a relatively quiet year last year, but looks like he's back to his old self. So that'll be an interesting one to watch, I think. I have a few of him already, so he might creep up on a few of the new PSG ones. He wasn't a transfer. You cheated. No, that's what I'm saying. That there's no <laughs> new transfers attracting me. So it'll be the same old, I'm afraid. Simon, any that have caught your eye? Yeah, I don't... I, I'll be honest. I don't think Arthur is going on a Liverpool shirt for me. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> that one came in and I was just like... All right. I just, I, it kept coming up as Arthur Mello, and I was like, I have no idea who that is. I was like, oh no, it's, it's, it's Arthur, the guy who, like, you know, it's just disappeared into the ether in that weird Pjanic deal. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, God, go straight to club shop for that one. No, I mean, it's not, not really. There's not been loads of massive, massive moves. Nothing on deadline day, certainly. I think, you know, I think, um, Coletta Carr going from Marseille to Southampton for like, what, nine million is an obscene deal. Considering last year, you know, people were supposedly queuing out the door for him. Uh, but again, you know, a defender going to Southampton, it, it could go either way, couldn't it? <laughs> um, that's, that's a great name set, though. Or it would make for a great name set. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's a good name. It's like on the, um, there's like a Marseille Facebook group where they all just like show off all these match worn shirts and that one, the Coletta car stuff has come up and it always looks, it always looks banging. There's nobody really that I can think of. Certainly not on deadline day. Maybe I'm trying to think of Ren. Who did Ren bring in? They brought in Cali Muendo from PSG. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> not inspired too much, to be fair. 
I think for me, I'm more upset about the transfers that didn't happen because I fucking stupidly started looking at the rumour mill on Twitter and there were a lot of people talking about Villa possibly making an attempt for Conor Gallagher. And that, oh, the, the idea of him playing for Villa would, would be was, was quite exciting right now, to be honest with you. I should have known it was total shit, but there was still this little glimmer of hope. What if? What if we do bring him in? And I got, if that would have happened... Although our shirts are made by Castori, so the name sets will probably fall off in a week. I, I may well have got that on a Villa shirt, but it wasn't to be. So, yeah. See, Simon and Scott, you should be lucky. Liverpool, Arthur, United, Anthony. You're lucky it's not paid by the letter because Chelsea got Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang now. So I don't think anyone's going <laughs> to yeah. be risking that one anytime soon. Yeah, quite grateful that Alexander-Arnold is uh, just, you know, like the same thing. <laughs> quite happy it's not by the letter. What? What squad numbers do Young get in at Man United? Oh, no, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> One of my mates was gutted because he's absolutely obsessed with Brereton Diaz, or just Brereton, let's be honest, because there was rumours that he was going to go to Everton, and I was just like, I'm so glad he didn't because I actually really like him. And I, was, and I was going, oh, yeah, great, and then they got Neil Mopé or whatever from Brighton, and I was just like, yes, that's what you deserve. I was dead sure. <laughs> him and James Garner or Ben Brereton Diaz. I was like, yes, I think that that's the move. I approve of those moves definitely a lot more than him. Let him go to a good club. <laughs> there is nothing worse than when a player you really like moves to a rival, like some big fucking Norwegian cunt. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're not going to waste any more time on deadline day like United did with De Jong. So, moving on to the news. So, normally we take it in turns to discuss a particular subject, but really the football kit world has been dominated by a couple of big bits of news this week. One of those being Adidas unveiling all of their seven teams World Cup kits. So we're going to talk about that. And Mike, I can see you're raring to go. I do. I do. I want to jump in first because I want to talk about how Adidas make the best kits ever. We're fucking 80 being able to tell us we're wrong. So for a change, we can just speak freely. It's a bit like when when you mentioned Neymar playing over for PSG. It was nice, you know, not having him following up saying the French League was shit, really, wasn't it? So I'm just going to enjoy it. <laughs> There'd have been mad that if he just said the French League was shit. I would not have had that. No chance. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so the, yeah, the Adidas kits, what, well, what can I say? I think everybody's seen at least the majority of them, and I think they're, they're next level. I think Adidas have really upped their game. I think a few people talked about it being possibly a bit stale. You know, we've had a lot of talk recently about how we're revisiting old shirts a little bit too much, that the, you know, retro is the new sort of like go-to for for manufacturers. But I think what Adidas have done now is they've stepped up to the plate and they have released some incredible, unique shirts. And for me, the pick of the bunch has to be the Mexico away shirt. I think it looks incredible. I mean, I'm I love the Germany kits, and I probably always will. But that that Mexico is just something else. Mm. Especially after the big furore with the, you know like the the Club America one, and everyone just went mental for it. And they've got they've clearly looked at that and gone, you know what? That's actually <laughs> that's not a bad idea. That let's lean into it. Um, and and take all that now. It, it is banging. I do I do approve of the uh, like the, the Germany away. It's like that. Um, it's like that. You know that purple Leon the the two thousand eleven two thousand twelve 
the ridiculous third, except it's just way more emo. It's just like it's just really good. And I, I'm a huge fan. I was having a look through the what was available like on Adidas, and it was really good. That again, long sleeves. Hello, even in the authentics, brilliant. Mm. And also that they had like plus size women's shirts as well. I thought that was really cool. I mean, the home shirts are always going to be a bit like I think they've worked within the sort of very strict boundaries of it being a home shirt, and they've they've, they've pushed it as far as they can. But it's definitely like the away shirts and the pre match stuff, like the jackets and the tops are just they're absolutely incredible like especially the there's a big fan of spain away and then like the argentina like pre-match jackets and stuff they've just as a whole collection it's all come together like really nicely i think can anybody guess my main issue with all of the adidas shirts no pattern on the backs yeah there's no fucking fucking pattern on the back but they're just playing on the back i didn't even look yeah all of them yeah is that a regular is it going to be a regulation thing then or they just yeah, like... well, it has it has to be. I think it's they, they've obviously UEFA or FIFA have got their their you know their hooks in all the manufacturers that for whatever reason, let's use the Germany away for an example, an absolutely gorgeous shirt that is what, you know what looks almost maroony style red with black, and I'm guessing the lettering will be gold because of the gold stripes in the logo. You're trying to tell me that if you had that D pattern on the back in red and you've slapped a gold name set on it nobody's going to be able to tell what the name set says mm. it just the, the issue for me is that when you look at them side on there's there's no blending there's no thought process it's literally two different bits of fabric sewed together and i just think when you see it from side on it just looks dreadful i take the point scott but one shirt where that doesn't matter quite so much and i think it's possibly my favorite of the bunch because it's going a little under the radar is that belgium away shirt mm. which i think is brilliant and again the, the blank or the the pattern not carrying on doesn't matter too much because it's a white shirt but it's those patterns on the cuffs and the collars and the little detail on the back of the collar that make that shirt i think it's it's a blinder thing that because it's a white shirt and it goes into a white back it's fine it's this stark contrast i mean look at that mexico the, the pattern on the front is absolutely stunning you get round to the side and it just falls off a cliff and it's a plain cream back. I don't disagree. And obviously I'm not going to try and sit here and say that it wouldn't be better if the pattern was across the back because I obviously agree with that. No argument at all. But I don't mind the way, like using that Mexico as an example, I've, I've got it on my phone now just to kind of refresh my brain what the back looked like. And I don't mind it if they, like with this one, they've tied it in with that back panel quite quite well for me. I, I don't mind it. It cuts down on uh, around the side of the neck, comes along the shoulders and then the full sleeves in pattern. I think that isn't so bad for me. I think I find it worse when they kind of have this black panel in the middle with the pattern back at the bottom again, and it all starts to look a bit like, I mean, using the Liverpool away as, as an example, obviously that amazing swirling pattern that just makes you feel a bit pissed when you look at it, to be honest. But then they've just got that huge white gap in the middle of it for the number. And I do think that looks ridiculous. I do prefer what they've done with the Mexico and then they've, they've tied it in with that sort of like dark, almost claret red trim on the bottom of the shirt. But But obviously, I can't disagree, and we know you'll always bring it to the table, Scott, that plain backs suck ass. Well, it just demands customization, doesn't it? Because it then detracts from the fact that it's a big plain back, and, and not everybody's 
keen on customization for for reasons or I mean the pick of the bunch for me is the Argentina away I just think it looks that deep purple's really class and the I think even though the pattern has nothing to do with Argentina I just think it looks it just looks like it's a really cool and unique shirt and I think that's where Adidas have won here is that every single team is unique they've there's no even though it's a template every team has a different design it's not that is not similar like previous template World Cups have been. But I think we need to take a moment here to discuss how shit the Belgium home is. <laughs> the Guy Fieri, yeah. <laughs> I was just yeah. going to say, we've spoken about the ones we like. And I think So, Mike, you've gone Mexico. Scott, you've gone Argentina away. I said the Belgium away, but honourable mention to the Germany home is, is a stunning shirt. Simon, what would be your pick? I'm, I'm, just to be different, I'm going to say the Spain away. I'm, I'm going to say the Spain away. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's, again, like, like you were saying, um, so like the patterns are all different within a sort of template. And you're right. Like we have those eras of shirts where it was like the sort of T90s and it was like, this is the T90 cup basically of like, here's all of the, the shirts. And you're right. They, they seem to have worked those templates like really well, but that Spain one just, it goes in a little bit of a different direction than say the other ones, which are more about like geometric patterns and stuff like they've that sort of waviness to it as it is, you know, as took it the other way, which I really liked. So yeah. Be my pick. Yeah. I think they're, they're all absolutely super. Or most of them are superb. They've done a really good job, but yeah, Scott, let's address the elephant in the room. Like you said, it's an absolute shocker. Well, the, the, apparently the reason behind it is their nickname is the red devils. So they're obviously they've incorporated you know a devil hell fire whatever but for me it's the absolute audacity of the placement of so that the body of the shirt is just like a deep red shirt and then randomly there's flames on the sleeve it's not even slightly incorporated into the design of the shirt and we all i mean you know everybody laughs there was a really interesting comment on twitter today about somebody repeating a joke but we all know that Twitter, uh, Twitter is just the same accounts repeating the joke after everybody else has done it. But we all mentioned the the 90s slash early 2000s shirt that everybody wore at their school discos. I mean, that, as soon as I saw it, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I mean, if, if, if Belgium don't do a knee slide celebration like we all did at school in the discos, they're missing a trick with that shirt, definitely. We expect to see it. Do you know what? I, I don't actually hate the Belgium shirt. It, it, get, it does, out. It, <laughs> get out. Get out. Get out. For anybody listening who watched wrestling in the 90s, for me, it reminds me of Harlem Heat and Prime Booker T. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you now, that is cool as fuck. So you can stick it. Right. Moving on very quickly. Adidas. Oh, but, go on. One, but, but one last comment. You know, that we, we spoke about this before, that you, you can have an absolutely awful shirt that can be saved by a moment. So, you know, we can, all, we can all look back at, you know, Liverpool finally winning the league. That shirt could have been fucking honking, but for all Liverpool fans, it would have forever lived in their memory. Same with, you know, Man United winning the treble, things that, you know, everybody has a, a moment and the shirt can be saved. But just picture the quarterfinals of a, the golden era of the Belgium team. It's the last minute of the game. That big and donkey is six yards out. The ball comes across and he's going to hoof it over the bar because he's dreadful. <laughs> so even the team aren't going to save how bad that shirt is. And I'm not even going to mention his name. 
because we all know who he is. The 100 million loan striker. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Yeah, but if you just put a positive spin back on it, it will just remind me of when the Harlem Heat beat the Steiner brothers for the WCW tag team titles. So it's all good again. I'm so glad that, like, the, the shame that I felt, you know, like, the, the, the suppressed childhood trauma that I've pushed down from being just getting dogs abuse at a school disco for wearing one of them. Like, that took me years. That would take years of therapy to unpull. Like, we've all come together as one big group of people that just around this shit and gone, yeah, we were there as well. And I'm like, oh, thank God, that saved me so much money in therapy costs. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> to, to be... <laughs> To be honest with you, I've got tattoos of flames around my wrist. So a, a flame shirt is the last fucking thing I need to be wearing. I look like a total twat. <laughs> you're getting kicked out of, you're going into McDonald's and getting kicked out. You're going to walk in and just be like, I'm not serving you. Like, this is going to kick off. <laughs> so Adidas, good job all around though. And we look forward to seeing those at the World Cup in Qatar. But then another brand has released a bunch of international kits. Not all of these are going to be at the World Cup. But have Puma actually gone too far this time worse than last year's thirds or are these new international shirts better <laughs> uh yeah i mean they've, they've certainly tried harder i think um, have they? I, th- I, th- I mean i think they have but i mean maybe just in terms of just the sheer bullshit that they've come out to justify it like being a marketing like professional and you just see the just the total just shite that comes out of the mat. Reinterprets national motifs. Why do you need to reinterpret a national motif for like the national sport? You know what I mean? Like 150 years of professional, like semi-professional professional soccer. We're like, nah, we're just going to boil everything down to a bunch of boxes, mostly on white shirts. Like, you know what not- I think this is? What? I think this, I think this is an office bit. I think they've got two new guys in and a couple of years ago they came out with these shirts and somebody's gone, do you know what? They're so bad. Let's release them both one one year after the other. And then there's somebody in that marketing team that is keeping score of all the negative publicity and all the negative social media content. (laughs) And next year, Puma are going to come out and announce and be like, employee X lost the bet he designed the shittest football shirt ever because the, <laughs> both of them are absolutely horrendous. There's, I mean, there's not one that I would buy there, not one. I'd say the same, to be honest with you. Like, I look at the shirts and, and for me, none of them look good. You, you touched on it with the Adidas idea that we're forcing personalization of shirts and so on, but I think this takes it to the next level. But for me, what I would say about them is... I, I can't help it. I'm not, I'm not a designer. I don't work in design. I just like to look at football shirts. But I hear a lot of designers and stuff when they talk about it say that you've got to give them credit for thinking out, outside the box. No, you don't. I'm sorry, but I, I would strongly disagree with that because just because something is outside the box doesn't mean that it's not dog shit. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a false argument to just say at least they've thought outside the box. They're shit. It, that's that. Such a this time they one. literally thought inside the box because that's where they've got to put the fucking numbers to make the shirts look any use. I've got their new marketing thing. I've got it. So you know you were saying about how they've lost the bet. I'm just thinking like their next marketing events in in tandem with that. They're basically just going to be in Trafalgar Square and they're going to have these two designers just in like these old fashioned Puma branded stocks. 
and they're just gonna have just like troughs of moldy veg and like tomatoes and stuff and you get to come down and if you can basically make one of them cry you get a free i don't know you get a, you get a free whatever the hell this is to, to burn or whatever whatever you want to do big billboards of just shame you know, Game of Thrones. My other, bells. my other, my other theory is, is that Puma are so upset that Italy have left them for Adidas that somebody's gone. Do you know what? Will we just fuck them up for these last three months for the Euro qualifiers? We'll just we'll make the shittest shirt we can think of. They've come out with it, and then somebody at Puma's gone. Yeah, well, if if we've made one like that, we're going to have to justify it by making all the other ones. But this is just a massive big fuck you to Italy before they leave. And all the other poor Puma countries are, are just having to suffer the consequences. We were all in sort of like uproar at that, that Puma third template. But just out of curiosity, I, I do genuinely believe these are much, much worse than, than that template. Um, in fact, I would even say that with that, that template, I still don't like it. But there were a couple of them that come out where the colour scheme started to work a little bit. And when they started to put the badges back on them, then I started to kind of get them a little bit more. They felt a little bit more like football shirts. But just out of curiosity with you guys, is it just me? Or do, do you think these are far and away worse than, than that third template? Definitely. <laughs> I agree. I think, yeah. I'm the, I think I'm the other side of these. I actually don't mind them. I think they're better than the Puma Thirds. And... To me, they immediately look more like a football shirt than those thirds did last year because, you, you know, they could be any brand of activewear, those thirds from last year. If they didn't have the, the name of the club smacked on the front, they just don't look like football shirts. At least these do. And I'll tell you what they remind me of a little bit is the T90 shirts. You know, we had the, those classic T90 shirts with the number front and centre and it had its own style. I think some of these do work better than others. Some of them are dreadful, but... I actually quite like them, and I think on pitch, they will look really good. That Switzerland one is literally a box. Well, that it's one is shite, to be fair. That one is shite. <laughs> it feels very Switzerland. I don't know what it is. Like At least they, at least you would look at it and you go, yeah, I mean, that feels close to what I would class in my head as like a stereotypical like motif of Switzerland. Do you, you know, know what I mean? Like, no, you know? Why was it not a cross or a Toblerone shape? That makes more sense. <laughs> Puma, give me the checks. Might as well just get Toblerone as the sponsor in the middle instead of like a you know a number. Just have like the little mountain or whatever. Uh, if nobody, you know what it is to me. It feels more. Those shirts feel more like. Do you know like the nineties Italian club training gear that if you didn't know they were training shirts, you would think they were like third or fourth shirts. You know, if it, it kind of feels like that, but way fucking worse. <laughs> because those are like elite level shirts when you when you've most of them anyway like the old atalanta ones and stuff like that that's kind of they still feel like training shirts you know especially when you've got that number on the front like you know that might as well just be a plain white shirt with a bib it might as well be a training bib on the front you know what i mean like that's kind of how i see it and i mean i did i'd be honest i didn't mind that the, the some of the puma thirds um that much i mean i've got i've got the um the dortmund one over here and I was like actually that it's not bad it's not good but it's not bad and like I kind of like the Valencia on as well but you know it's just a bit it was just very samey and there's just no innovation and but it was fine whereas these just feel like they've made even less effort and they're also kind of spitting on whatever they class as tradition in these countries like and their national identities it just feels like a step too far 
I'm definitely looking forward to everyone changing their mind on these when you see them on the pitch. And then very swiftly moving on before anyone can disagree with me. <laughs> Just quickly before we get into everybody, this. Everybody's hand, everybody's hand up after that statement. The host is moving so far. <laughs> <laughs> no, before we, we move on to the feature this week, there is one shirt that I just think deserves a particular highlight. And that is the Spezia third shirt, which I don't know if anyone's seen it. And I know a service might not be the, the top brand on the top of everyone's minds, but they have come up with a fantastically mad third shirt for Spezia. Multicoloured, it looks like a fruit salad or a zap lolly, whatever you want to say. But it's based on the colours, the pastel colours of the cities, of the towns even, of Cinque Terre, which is next to the, the Ligurian coast near Spezia. And I think it's a beautiful shirt, albeit they lost 2-0 to Juventus in it at the weekend. Once the marketing actually backs it up, I think, in terms of like why what it's actually meant to be. Like, yeah, fair enough. Um, I've already said this joke, so I'm not expecting laughs here, but I think this is the most excited anyone's ever been for an Acerbis shirt. Please can, add canned laughter into this. I'm I'm a big fan big fan of this shirt i obviously we we shared it on the socials this week um, as soon as we saw it drop because i i think that it's, it's another one that's just it's just a little bit different in in a world of football shirts where we are starting to see a lot of repetition and a lot of similarities between shirts and a lot of patterns and colors and stuff sort of like uh being recycled which i know is going to happen i'm not against that but then every now and again it is nice to see something that is absolutely 100% completely unique and and that's what we've got this with, with this one I think it looks stunning as Simon said I do think the marketing backs it up I think that you you can genuinely see that inspiration behind the color scheme of the shirt and and I think the sales also back up how good the shirt is as well yeah it's obviously been a, a popular shirt with fans as well because it's sold out within hours of its release on the Spezia store and I'd refreshed it like a maniac for a couple of days to try and get one in my size. And then I saw them, got one ordered, and then the mediums and the larges promptly sold out straight away. So I think it's going to possibly be one that's hard to get. And that seems to be, I mean, I think this shirt might be for a different reason, because obviously, like Mike said, with the marketing and everything, it's been it's been heavily marketed and it's a really popular shirt for all the Syria collectors. But I've noticed a, a common theme this year where I think supply issues have been definitely a big factor because there's a lot of a lot of shall we say not so popular shirts that on a lot of the bigger websites are selling out really really fast. I mean, for two two big examples I can see from it in terms of maybe not the greatest shirts are the Manchester United home shirt, which is completely sold out from Kitbag. And the PSG home shirt, which in in most of the more commonly used me, like medium large extra large, is sold out from uh, Nike. And not only that, there's a lot of shirts that have been released that aren't in stock. And for example, the PSG away shirt isn't even it's the authentic version still says coming soon on the Nike website. So I think you know the the backlash of COVID or Brexit or whatever reason you want to blame for that. I think. There's a lot of shirts this year that are going to see that supply issue, which from a collecting point of view, if, if they don't manage to recoup that during the season, 
you know that that could end up making those shirts slightly rarer because they they're definitely fewer numbers out there and I'm, and I'm not sure if the problem's going to be solved anytime soon yeah you're definitely right this, the, there was clearly like low when they were announcing stuff like this is and this is at all levels as well like i was looking at the 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 con home shirts you know and they're like in league two and um that was just like that sold out really quickly. I was like, it was a great shirt, but I was like, there's no way they've sold all those shirts. Um, but I think for the from the supplier's perspective, is it kind of, no matter what, they can twist that in their favor. If you look at like Nike and things like that, you look at how they sell, you know, sneakers and all stuff like that. And you can see that they've gone, well, we've got all these supply issues. So we're going to sort of just play the game like that and just work off that supply and demand that has worked so well for us with like, you know, with the shoes, with, you know, with trainers and stuff. And if, so they win no matter what. I think they'll still make it work. <laughs> but yeah, it just appears like they're, they're quite happy with it regardless, or at least they can they can twist it however they want to make it make it work for them. Um, all three of Aston Villa's kits are still fully stocked in all sizes. <laughs> um, I, I'm not saying that has anything to do with the fact that they're made by Castor and they're shit, but just saying maybe not everybody's having supply issues or maybe not everybody's selling any shirts well i think i mean two two good examples that we can use the the two examples i used was the man united and the psg so if you look at last year you had the messi move and the ronaldo move so obviously for fans two of the biggest best players in the world moving to a new back you know ronaldo moving home messi moving to a new club for the first time it's no surprise that those shirts within 24 hours absolutely flew off the shelves. But you look at PSG this year, they've re-signed Mbappe for half the world and Man United have signed the square root of fuck all minus a 30-year-old Casemiro. So for them shirts to be sold out four weeks into the season is, is it, it's a definite sign that there's, that there's absolute chaos in the, in the supply industry. Because, I mean... Even if you look at, I mean, Liverpool can't be far off with the the Asian market, Man United with that Asian market. I think Man United regularly quote that they reckon they have a billion supporters worldwide. So there's no way in hell Adidas and Man United are going, just make 20,000 shirts and make them rare for the boys that are going to buy them. Because it, it just, it's going to cost them money in the end. So there's, there's no way that it's a deliberate move. I think it, it has to be a genuine a genuine supply issue but we'll oh yeah yeah yeah. In- yeah that that's that yeah i i, I agree I, I, when i'm saying about like the supply and demand thing it's certainly just they know it's a supply issue but they can just make it you know it's all that they can control that narrative and just play yeah, it off how yeah. they have before but yeah no i agree and just while we're speaking about supply and demand i have a i have a small piece of advice for everybody out there should they care to listen but we discussed it a couple of weeks ago with we all love kits here that's why we're all here and everybody loves a kit with a story and I think the Newcastle fourth shirt inverted commas is one of the stories of the year the fact that Castore made three shirts that were incompatible to be played on a football park so badly that they had to slap a sponsor on a training shirt but for everybody out there this is the first time I've ever been tempted to buy another Premier League team's shirt because I think the story behind it is hilarious and it, and it just sums up Castore to an absolute T. But Newcastle, being the business people that they are, have reopened pre-orders for what is a £55 
pre-match shirt with a sponsor on it. So for the love of God, all of you hardcore Newcastle supporters or shirt uh, collectors out there, do not pay these cunts on eBay that bought 10 of them and are selling them for 150 quid. Fuck them. Buy the pre-order. You'll get the shirt in December and it's the same fucking shirt. Do not appease these dickheads that have gone and absolutely gobbled up as many as they could because Newcastle didn't put a limit on how many you could buy and tripled the price. Be patient. Just go to the pre-order. Wise words, very angrily put. And definitely want to keep an eye out on those supply issues as well. But for a shirt that may end up in kit history, have we got one for this week, Mike? We certainly have. Kid history, kid history, we haven't made it up. Kid history, kid history, we read it on Wikipedia. So this week, we are going to go to technically two clubs, because we're going to talk about Aldershot and Aldershot Town. So Aldershot Town were originally formed in 1926. Due to the town's military links, the club have always worn predominantly red shirts with blue trim and sometimes a little bit of white on them. Most will know that Aldershot Town were dissolved in 1992 and the Phoenix Club Aldershot were formed in their place. So the, the interesting part of this story I thought was this one. This, this is such a little quirk and I'm not going to lie. I've done this one for Kit History this week just because I bloody love this story. So for their first season as a newly formed club in 1992, Aldershot didn't have a sponsor. So they came up with a novel way of getting a little bit of money in and putting a sponsor on their shirt. So what they decided to do was a raffle. And everybody who's been on Twitter knows how much we fucking love a raffle. So what they did is they, they gave local businesses the opportunity to buy a ticket. And obviously the prize would be if your, if your business was drawn, you would adorn the new shirt, which was a quite a nice shirt, actually, Home and Away, made by Ribeiro. Check them out. And the winner was none other than Pam's Florist. <laughs> so in 1992 to 93, Aldershot Town, due to a raffle, or sorry, Aldershot, not Aldershot Town, was sponsored by Pam's Florist, which is one of my favourite little stories and the only reason I've chosen Aldershot this week. Blooming marvellous, that Mike. <laughs> <laughs> You've, been, you've had that just tucked in the back pocket, haven't you? We've been waiting for that. Do you know <laughs> what? I, I absolutely have. I heard that story a few months ago and I thought, oh, I wonder if Aldershot got any any real quirks about their kit history. Nothing at all. They, they've always worn their colours. They're a military town. That's that. Nice and simple. But this week I just thought, I need to tell everybody about Pam's Florist. So I ran with it. I'm looking at the sponsor now. That is a great just... story. Yeah, you could see the sponsor. Like, if you, I'm just looking at the sponsor now, and you can, I can imagine it like adorning the front of the shop. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't look as though it's gone under any sort of, you know, rebrand or anything for nah. the shirts. It's just cursive. There you go. It, like, <laughs> it is, it is a proper '90s shop front sign that somebody has just written on a piece of paper and then had printed. But just as a little side to that. If we happen to have any older shop fans listening and you know how much it was per ticket for that, I'd love to know because I've never been able to find out. I think they should just be lucky it wasn't won by Dirty Dick's adult literature. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this week's feature.
Welcome listeners to this week's main feature and we're taking you on a trip back in time to the Côte d'Azur and we're heading to the south of France where in April 1986 Bernard Tapé became president of Marseille and he built the best team that France had ever seen until a certain investment hit Paris. And today to talk about this we're joined by Damien who you'll all know as RB Classic Jerseys. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour, Damien. <laughs> Bonjour, guys. <laughs> as well as having the greatest kit selection out there available to buy, you're also a bit of a Marseille anorak. We've got you on because we really want to talk about this period of time and mm-hmm. also discuss some of the beautiful kits they had then. Thank you very much for having me, guys. So I guess where should we kick off? I mean, we always like to talk about kits and talk about seasons and football and title all together. Should we start at the beginning? So... 1986. Where were Marseille? Where were they in in world and French football at that point, Damien? Oh, they were not. They were not very good. They had a very rough start of the 80s. They almost got uh, relegated. And then from that, it became like it. Yeah, it was slightly better until uh, 85. They finished, I believe, fifth. Not very high in the in the in the classification. And then Benartapi came with the money. And with money comes investment. Early on in those first seasons, who were some of the star names that they, they went and built a team around? Well, they had, for example, Karl Heinz Förster, who came. A German was a huge name from um, back, uh, back in the times. Huge to have a player like this, and he was definitely the star player in 1986. And there was another French rising star on the scene as well back then, wasn't there? Yeah, Jean-Pierre Papin, who actually just came from Bruges. He was not very known, but he believed, he proved to be a very important player uh, for Marseille. I think Marseille, you know, with Tappy's investment, he really sought to try and win that first European Cup. And you've mentioned two kind of iconic names. And I think Jures was another player signed just after the World yeah. Cup. Yeah. Um, but Marseille, they had a really iconic shirt at that time as well, didn't they? And it's it's one with a huge sponsor on the front. Yeah. It is. It's one. Uh, so the one I'm showing you now is actually from the 85-86 season. But a similar sponsor was used in 86, 87. It's basically a huge orange house. Uh, the sponsor is Maison, uh, Maison Bouygues. Uh, but the sponsor is huge. It's taking, I guess, half of the shirt. Oh, at least, I would say, at least half of at the least, shirt. Yeah. People can play, yeah, people can play about sponsors nowadays, but it's literally got a house on the front of it. Uh, and the best part of the, uh, of the shirt, besides the huge sponsor, is also that on the 86, 87 shirt, the sleeves were not long, they were not short, they were like three-quarter, I guess. So a very weird cut that the players apparently didn't really like or actually hated. So often they were cut, well, at some point to make them proper sleeves. So so for a Marseille collector, is that a, a very much sought-after shirt because it comes at the start of this journey they're about to go on? Uh, yeah, it is, especially now that more and more people start to collect Marseille shirts, especially in France, but there are more and more Marseille collectors all over the world right now. Uh, the 86-87 is where people, 86-87 uh, shirt is where people actually start to collect most of the collectors and they became very sought after and very expensive. Yeah, I know Chester, one of our followers and listeners, is a big Marseille collector and th- that's one of his favourite shirts. I can see why. Oh, it's lo- Chester. <laughs> yeah, hello Chester. So how did he go on the pitch that season then? No, so that year they, they finished a second, which was at that moment a very uh, big achievement for Marseille even though they just got the, the players considering the previous years, which was really huge and proved that uh, Bernard Tapie was on his way, uh, winning the, the French First Division, which was his main target before he moved to uh, winning to the Champions League. 
and that of course meant European football, which um, that they hadn't enjoyed for a long time. I guess they were into the was it Cup Winners Cup back then? The Cup Winners Cup, yeah, yeah. It was against uh, Ajax that they lost, but they played in a Cup Winners Cup, which, which was huge. If I'm not wrong, they also won the um, the French Cup the season uh, the season before. But the Cup Winners Cup was huge. They lost to Ajax, unfortunately. Very funny story about the shirts is that they had similar shirts to what they wore in the Liga. Only the crest was different, and you had the, the Marseille logo, and it was written Olympique de Marseille around it. And that one is extremely rare and in, almost impossible to find. So you're not going to show us one of those? <laughs> no, <I think> <laughs> not. Almost bought a fake once. At least the guy was honest in the end and said, "No, it's a, it's a fake." Uh, no, I, I doubt that it's original. So then I knew enough. So going back to that Maze and Boyd shirt, then if yeah. people are looking to get that, you've just shown us a beautiful example there. Are there any mm-hmm. kind of tips for people looking to find one of those shirts? Is that a sponsor sublimated or is it printed on the front? So it's printed on the front and it's basically in in felt. So felt, it's not printed in the shirt. And on the 86, 87, it was definitely also flock. Flock. So flock is what is the detail you're looking for on that sponsor for any potential Marseille collectors out there but if that was the start of their journey then things yeah. really kicked off from 1989 which was the first of four league earned titles that Marseille yeah. won under Tappy and also yeah. we've seen some incredible kits in that four years as well perhaps you know we'll start that 1989 season by this point they had a, a star-studded team yeah. as good as anywhere in Europe you know Papan all those players we mentioned before, Jures, but then they also added Chris Waddle and players like Abedi Pele, Deschamps, Desai, you know, the list goes on, Cantona, another one. Francesco Lee, let's not forget. <laughs> Francesco Lee, yeah, the, the list, it's insane. I mean, it's, it's like a roll call of Europe's finest around that time. But mm-hmm. they also played in some of the finest kits as well. And, and that 1989 kit, I mean, can you tell us a bit more about that one? You mean the Panasonic kit? The Panasonic era, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's that, that's a great one. 1989 to uh, 1991, so it was used for two seasons. Yeah, that one is one of the most popular Marseille kits because it's just such an important era for the for the club with the domestic titles, not only the French division but also the the cup, the final of the European Cup. That is that is definitely the most um, uh, sought after uh, shirt. At least that one is much easier to find than the previous seasons. I guess this is when Marseille really started to sell a lot of their shirts before they were still considered not as a huge club, but it started slowly. Uh, but in 1989, and they, uh, people realized, Adidas realized that Marseille needed more shirts. And, and this is why you find more of those around than the ones uh, from the previous seasons. So I assume, Damien, one of the reasons that the shirts are in such demand were that the team had conquered France in 88-89 season, had won the league and cut double. <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> the domestic doubles of the French Cup and uh, the French First Division. Huge moment for, for Marseille and French football in general, which allowed them really to play Champions League or European, uh, European football, um, the European Cup. And actually, they did that um, whilst wearing another great shirt. It's very similar to the um, 86, 80, uh, no, uh, 87, 88 shirt. Uh, it said 88, 89. 
Uh, only the sponsor changed is uh, Alain Afflelou, uh, which was a manufacturer uh, or brand of uh, glasses, actually. <laughs> Uh, beautiful shirt, same style of sleeves. So you see the three-quarter sleeve, very uncomfortable. And well, I'll describe to the people uh, what the sleeves look like. So there are three-quarter sleeves. There are two, let's say, mesh panels on the on the sleeves, and the players used to cut the part in the middle, so it would form a regular sleeve. Very cool shirt, also very hard to find. Uh, but what I also like about this era is that the crest is just so big. Sleeve. Yeah. It is like in centimeters, it's almost like 10 by 10, I would say. So that's really interesting that the players used to cut between the two blue stripes on the sleeve, yeah. shorten the yeah. sleeve. So if you do see one with one sleeve, it's not a dud, it's potentially a player, a match yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. And this is why when you look on the internet, you look for, I don't know, Marseille uh, 1988-89, you'll find almost all photos you'll find will be of players wearing what seem to be regular shirts with regular sleeves but it's just that they were cut. Wow, incredible stuff. So that Panasonic era, it's yep. just when it when it exploded, yeah, as a yep. club, you know, they were the team to beat, dominant team in France for many, many years. Yeah. Probably some of the most iconic images most of us as collectors can think of is some of those star players in those shirts. You know, Tegan is another one we didn't even mention yep. um, in some of those kits. How, how what, what are the signs when we're, we're out looking for one of those shirts in terms of finding a legitimate version of that shirt? So the, from the Panasonic era, the 89-91 shirt, what you have to be looking for is definitely the, the sponsor. The sponsor has to be in thick flock. And um, you'll see a lot of remakes with very thin. I believe it's almost plastic, the, the sponsor. That's, that's definitely not good. Usually those are way too shiny. And you have to look for an internal label that, well, here it's kind of faded, but it's a smaller internal label, another long, shiny uh, Adidas one that you see on uh, on the fakes clearly tell which one are original and which one uh, which ones aren't. Thankfully, and what's a good price to pay for a collector for for one of those shirts? I mean, I know it's going to be a big ballpark, but you know, average sort of price you'd expect to pay. So, for those, I guess you if you look in the right places, you can find the shirts for maybe between one hundred and one fifty. I would say one twenty. 150 all websites like mine they'll go for 200 um but i find that people often prefer to buy of websites like mine or other guys website just to be sure that it's authentic and to have this kind of guarantee that no you can return an item and on ebay or on other platforms not always the case it does have to be one of the most fake shirts of that era as well i would say because you see yeah, so yeah. many of them on auction sites like you said i would never touch them because i just don't know enough about those shirts personally you're better off going through someone like yourself where you have that you know legitimacy and knowing that it's an authentic one i mean one question i have again is just personally i don't know a lot about these shirts mm-hmm. the adidas logo the trefoil yeah. is that printed on the shirt or is it stitched no so that's also flock so almost everything in french shirts back in the day was flock so here you can see this is a player shirt Mm -hmm. Uh, this is flock this is a player shirt so the panasonic is dark blue instead of like the color of the crest you see it's like this it's impossible to fake right Um, it's really like it's very clear they're they're very shiny in real life and not okay there are some parts are shiny but the other is not the whole shirt so it's quite easy to tell uh but if you, you find one you're not sure you can always send me a message i can i can tell you whether it's legit or not so as well as dominating domestically team was getting closer to european success as well wasn't it 89 90 finals wasn't it quite a famous infamous yeah. a VAR would have got them to the final nowadays 
Yeah. Uh, no, it was uh, yeah Benfica. Benfica, and I think it was it was handball batter the uh, Angolans. Uh, yeah, 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 big deal, very big deal. Uh, besides that, um, for sure, Lovers, it's a very interesting season as well because in the European Cup they wore the Panasonic style shirts but with different sponsors. In three rounds, they wore three different, so, so the same sponsor, but the sponsor was written in, in three different ways. The huge collector's items. I managed to find all three thanks to a former footballer. He offered them to me, but very cool season as well because, yeah, for the European matches, they had different sponsors. They didn't have Panasonic. <laughs> Following season, 1991, again, it's, uh, we're going to cover this theme, winning the French title, Beckenbauer. Was that the Beckenbauer season? Yeah, 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 Beckenbauer, yeah, he came. That was huge. Yeah, that was huge for, for Marseille. Basically, Tapi was uh, somebody who liked um, the extravaganza. Like he, Also, the fact that he, he took a Gires, for example, from from Bordeaux. Bordeaux was the biggest team in France in the, in the 80s uh, until Tapi came, so... Having this kind of players coming to uh, to Marseille and then Beckenbauer at Marseille, that was that was big. That was big, but unfortunately, didn't work out how uh, they wanted. They were very close to winning the, the European title, but they just apparently what they say is that they were not prepared enough for the uh, for, for the final. They took it uh, way too seriously, which uh, two years later they changed. I mean, really, they were like the French Galacticos, weren't they? And it wasn't yeah, just yeah. on the pitch, it was with the managers. It was the whole aura. And I guess that's, it's, I mean, in this country, I think there's probably a little bit of a fixation on Marseille because of players like Waddle moving there four yeah. and a half million when he joined from Tottenham. And also you had Tony Cascarino as well. So there was that kind of English connect or British connection to, to the players out there. Yeah, and I think Waddle was even like scouts uh, when they were maybe even Tapi and they were looking for another uh, player. And I don't remember who it was. And then they saw the, uh, I believe that was the story. They saw Chris Waddle and he said, no, I want that guy. Uh, <laughs> it must have been so, the hair. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. But it was huge. Yeah, big, big names, like things you can, you can not even believe. They were even at some point dreaming of Diego Maradona. It was very close to sign Marseille. I believe it was 1990 or maybe 89. So, you know, huge, huge names. Now it's, let's say, more normal with what's happening in Paris. But back in the day in Marseille, it was big, like... Francesco Lee, I, I love that player. Zidane loved that player as well. It was his idol. Uh, big, like Papin, of course. Well, Deschamps was getting uh, better and better. We had Cantona. Cantona, unfortunately, uh, too much of a rebel to stay at Marseille. But no, we had uh, very, very big names. Uh, obviously, also with Boli and everybody. Yeah. That 91 European Cup final as well against Belgrade that we just mentioned. Yeah. So I've just, I've just seen that. So Wardle didn't take a penalty in that final either. There was another famous player who didn't take a penalty for Marseille, and that, that was Stojkovic, wasn't it? He was a penalty specialist, but yeah. didn't want to take one against his former club. Yeah, it's uh, you hear a lot of those stories. They, I guess, mentally they were not, they were just not there. It's a final that they should have won, but in the end, for the story, it's 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 great that Red Star won uh, won the European Cup, and Marseille got a chance a couple of years later. But yeah, you hear those stories and indeed like Stojkovic, huge name um, to have in Marseille, didn't want to take the penalty. Unfortunately, it wasn't their night. 
can we just have a moment to reflect on that Red Star team though and some of the players that were playing out there I mean Tom have a little look have you seen some of the starters that night 1991 was I guess there or maybe even 89-90 those two years definitely the best team you have a huge team you know it's uh, I mean yeah it's full of household names isn't it so we've got Vladimir Jugovic of course went on to play for Juventus you have Robert Prozanecki former Portsmouth star that's what I'm going to say anyway <laughs> <laughs> Panchev, of course, Ernie's moved to Inter Milan, which famously didn't work out. And then you've got Savicevic, AC Milan, that one did. And my favourite name amongst a lot of them, he was one of my favourite players. Playing in midfield, though, not in defence, Mihailovic. Mm. He's now the Bologna manager, but what a, what a player he was. A mean free kick. Yeah, huge, huge team. So it was not even a shame, shameful thing to happen to lose to Red Star. Uh, it was just... it was. You know, they they were better prepared, and uh, you know, and somehow it made Marseille uh, stronger for the next uh, years. And I think that's worth pointing out for the younger listeners as well, who you see Red Star as a team and think of football today. Back then, this team was rightfully, rightfully right, right at the top um, of European football. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing to note as well. Marseille, like we said, would kind of bankrolled at this time, had a, a lot of investment in the club. And you look at their 11 for that final, and again, it's it's outstanding. But Red Star, who were probably the underdogs in terms of their economics going into that final, their 11 is on a par with Marseille's, which just shows you what European football and the state of European football was like in those days. You know, you could have these homegrown teams go on to hit a lot of success. Damien, as a Marseille fan, we've listed off all these names, ex-players. As a fan or a collector of the shirts, is there any particular player that people really want to get the shirt of? Yes, I guess it will be Jean-Pierre Papin. He's the main man. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you find a shirt with uh, number nine, match worn, good. Yeah, definitely. No, that's definitely the player people are looking for, uh, Jean-Pierre Papin, and then maybe some others. In this case, a number uh, nine is more important than number ten for m- many collectors. But for you, it's Francescoli always. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So 91, 92 was, was similar, you know, dominated domestically, didn't do quite as well in Europe that year. No. In a minute, we'll fast forward to 92, 93, which everybody will know about this season. But should we just talk about the kit differences between the 91 and 92 season? So the 91, 92, I will show you, is completely different. Uh, the start of the Adidas equipment era, with the three stripes over the shoulder, one of the few teams few lucky teams to start right away with a new uh, with this new template so obviously there was Bayern Munich uh, but Marseille and probably one of them uh, of course I'm biased because it's my team but probably one of the best versions of this template because the color just work <laughs> <laughs> no I agree I agree with you actually I think the, the colors do work perfectly for that template so the following season shirt following season 90 92 it's it's so it's the a different sponsor. So instead of Panasonic, there's Rest, and then the Adidas logo moved to the side. Although you can also find some with the logo here in the um, in the color, but usually the Adidas logo goes in the in the stripes and the sponsor. This was the same sponsor as uh, same shirt used in ninety three ninety four. Although 
when you look online, you'll often find these being uh, described as 92, 93. See, it's a, again, as someone that's not clued up on these era of Mars shares, it's a minefield if you're looking into, you know, buying them or investing in them. Like, so those shirts, they can have either the Adidas logo within the shoulder stripes, or they can be yeah. at the bottom of the collar, the Adidas equipment. So what's the reason for that? Why was there such a big difference? Uh, just be, it really depends on in which country the shirt was made. So this is the long sleeve. So often you'll find a long sleeved rest shirt. And it's also uh, the same, I have to say, with the Panasonic. Uh, the long sleeve would have uh, the sponsor or the Adidas logo printed in the shirt. And here it would be in the in the center. Just it really depends on the country. So this one, I believe, was made in the UK, the short sleeve. Mm-hmm. And the long sleeve, is I'm not wrong, I think in Slovenia or something like this. Uh, and yeah, the, pl- the players wore both styles as well. So the players would have worn both types of shirt. Uh, you would find, yeah, you'll find differences as well. Although those were made in France. They have a different uh, neck uh, neck label. Right. Wow. But wow. It, yeah, it really depends on their country. Usually the short sleeves, which funny enough, were not available in France. So in France, many collectors think that this is a fake, the short sleeve. Because I know it didn't exist like this, blah blah blah, and I cannot believe that uh, Adidas would make those for the for the UK. But that's just how the how the time was, you know. You would buy a shirt in the UK, in Ireland, in France, and I don't know in uh, in Germany or well in the US, let's say. Uh, you'll have three, four different uh, different uh, versions of one shirt. I can feel a flying Scotty Fred on Twitter about this, just like he did with the <laughs> Holland '88, because. Yeah. I mean, that's news to me, so I don't know what if it's news to other people. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's uh, crazy. And I also have one prepared here. I believe it's a 92, 93. So before uh, Marseille had the arrest sponsor, they played a couple of matches with the RMC sponsor, which they also had in the in the late 80s. You know, the logo of Marseille is printed in a shirt and looks a bit, I don't know, uh, like a cartoon. It's, uh, it's it looks it, it is not as straight and beautiful as the the, the logo used. It looks it. like a different shade of blue than the yeah. other. Yeah, it's, it's completely different. It's like darker. Yeah, strange. So is that one a rarer shirt, the one with RMC on the front? Yeah, this one is very rare. And the funny thing is that this one for sure was never sold in France. And this one was made in Portugal. So I don't know if you've right. ever seen those Portugal, what is it, 93 shirts? With the the Adidas the Trefoil is a bit no here it's the yeah, same. Yeah, you can yeah. recognize the same pattern, uh, the same jacquard as uh, those shirts. So this one was made in Portugal. I was very lucky to find this, uh, to buy this because uh, people thought it was a fake. They were not interested. And well, I'm lucky enough to know that back in the day things were different. So yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite shirts. But as you pointed out. It's a totally different shade of blue. We've got to let you talk about the 92-93 season because it's probably the most bittersweet season as a Marseille supporter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, you have a euphoria because you finally uh, win the European Cup. Huge moments. You win the, the domestic title. And then at the uh, end of the season, after a couple of days after the match uh, against Valenciennes, uh, the stories come up that there was some uh, bribery going on. So, you know, for uh, the people who were um, following Marseille at that, that time, it was very clear that something was uh, was going on, and it was just they just needed the proof, and they had the, the players who confessed. And unfortunately, the very bitter moments because they, they had already prepared the next seasons with some uh, pretty cool, uh, pretty good players like Paulo Futre who came, but unfortunately, it was just the beginning of the end, especially. Uh, 
of that era for Marseille. Happy thoughts. I mean, the European Cup, winning the European Cup, we're still extremely proud of that. Uh, à jamais les premiers, we're forever the first. This they can never take uh, take from us. They were the first uh, to win the Champions League, uh, how it's called, and then also the the the, the French uh, the French club. No, it was uh, it's fantastic, and people still brag about it and. Uh, It's, it's just huge, you know. People would almost forget what happened after that. So here's, here's a question for you. I've asked it to both of you, Tom and Damien. So the, the Marseille player that confessed to handing the bribe to Valacana's players was a player called Jean-Jacques Edeli. Yeah. Which English club did he go on to play for in 1998? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's... You're never going to get this. Is it Premier League? No. I don't know. Who knows? It could be anyone. Peterborough. Peterborough. <laughs> I mean, you're you're about right. I mean, so he he went on to play ten games for Walsall. Wow. Oh, oh. <laughs> no idea what was going on there, but um, there you go. You, you, go. you could say he got his comeuppance then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he served his time. He served his time. But as you say, you know, uh, as a Marseille fan and this, the, the whole city, uh, hugely proud of winning that European Cup, and it's something that you carried through. Even though you were so you were relegated as, as a penalty, you kept European Cup, but the French authorities relegated you for two seasons, said you couldn't come back. Yep. Um, but, but you made people remember that European Cup, didn't you, on your shirts? For yeah, a good, definitely. Good couple of years. Well, here, the one I'm wearing now, the uh, 93, 90, no, sorry, 94, 95. So in 93, 94, on the Adidas kits, we didn't show anything, but surprisingly, on the 94, 95 shirts, We'll have like little European Cup here with 1993 written under. So on the Reebok shirts, two seasons after, I don't know why, two seasons later and also the season after that, we have on the Mizuno kits, we have it here on the color. <laughs> so it's nice. a pretty cool detail. No idea why uh, we haven't put it before on the 93-94 season like Barca did the, the, the year before. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, we made people remind uh, about our success in Europe. That Reebok shirt that you have on is an absolute stunner, I think. I mean, it was some task for Reebok to take the, the reins from Adidas, but they yeah. smashed it with that shirt, I think. I guess it was a big opportunity for them because uh, Adidas left uh, Marseille. They didn't want to have anything to do with Marseille uh, after the, 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 the scandal. Also, they left with Bernard Tapie because Bernard Tapie had uh, huge uh, ties to Adidas, if I remember well. So Reebok stepped in, made this beautiful shirt, also again with a sponsor with this classic mid-90s, a bit like Chile had as well at uh, the, the World Cup in 1998, that uh, the, the huge Reebok logo at the top of the shirt. It's a beautiful shirt. Well, it's really, really well. So in terms of the Champions League trophy, European Cup trophy being within the shirts for those yeah. Reebok years and the Mizuno years, is that what's replaced by the star now? on the badge to so drop the drop the trophy and is that what the star um, comes from yeah so the star means that we won the, um, the european cup so this is why marseille fans were quite upset last year when paris made the limited edition shirt of their 10 titles i believe now so they made one with a star and i was like no we're the only ones who are allowed to have a star though i think technically paris are allowed to have a star on their crest but they chose not to that was the eiffel tower type star they did isn't it is that right yeah the, yeah exactly yeah. so I guess, you know, they would not because they also want to win uh, the Champions League, so they will never put a star like this, but technically they're allowed. But th that's why we're so proud of, although we haven't had like the, the star on our uh, on our shirts in the late 90s. It came, it came late.
Champions League football again though this year for you? Yes, yes, finally, finally. And this time deserved because last time we played in Champions League was because we stopped the the championship because of COVID. So we ended second, but for sure we have, wouldn't have ended second if the competition had to end. But uh, yeah, yeah, and hopefully this year with uh, with some better successes. I tell you, it's, it's going to be an exciting season in Marseille. I think you, Igor Tudor's come in and he's signed a hell of a lot of players from Syria. Can we just quickly yeah. ask your thoughts on Alexis Sanchez? Oh, I mean, huge, huge name for Marseille. You know, this we you know we haven't had such a big name in our team since I think 2009, something like this, when Lucho Gonzalez, Lucho Gonzalez came mm. from Portugal, which was a huge name, and it was like Lisandro Lopez going to Lyon, I believe, the same season. It was huge for French football because they're both. I think. I think he cost like I don't remember if it was like twenty million. It was it was big, a big, big, big signing. And before that, I mean, you have to go back to the to the early uh, to the late nineties. Uh, but Alexis Sanchez, a huge player. We're very lucky now to uh, have um, a president who knows something about football, about players. So you know, we signing Eric Bailly from uh, from Manchester United from Marseille. It's a big name to have. Like we couldn't have dreamed of this. Like uh, in the past, I don't know, two, three, four, five years it was impossible now we have some pretty good names uh, that that we managed to get thanks to our president so even though uh, people are a bit pessimistic about Igor Tudor because he is apparently he's very strict etc I think that's exactly what we need to go back uh, at the top and hopefully win our second Champions League before Paris does <laughs> that would be great <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend that I'm not rooting for Marseille in that aspect <laughs> Honestly, I'm sure you probably got every neutral in the world back in you um, domestically against uh, against PSG this year. You know, surprisingly in France, they kind of love uh, they kind of love uh, Paris. They uh, maybe it's uh, their people are envious towards Marseille because you know we have we have the best supporters. That's for sure. You arrive in Marseille, you'll see people whether it's a Tuesday or a Saturday, you'll see people wearing Marseille stuff, uh, Marseille tracksuit, Marseille shirt. This is passion. That passion you cannot buy. You cannot find, I don't say you cannot find it anywhere because you have cities like Saint-Étienne, you have Lens, uh, very passionate supporters as well, but you definitely don't have it in Paris. We're very proud to uh, to be the first club who has won the Champions League and the club with the most passionate supporters. There we go. What a way to, to finish up. <laughs> well, thank you ever so much for taking us through those shirts, Damien. We'll get some interesting threads for people to see what we're chatting about. Um, as ever pleasure chatting to you and I'm sure we'll chat to you again soon pleasure is all mine thank you so much guys speak soon It's always good to have Damien on, and I don't care what anyone says, he has the best voice for a podcast known to man. I genuinely think I could just I could listen to him talking about paint colours for an hour and still be entertained. And now Mike's done up his flies, we can move on <laughs> to this room. <laughs> to this week's Kit Room 101. I give up. An absolute disgrace. I am flabbergasted. Analyze it till the cows come home. Shocking. I am. I am disgusted with it. Hi guys, I'm Adrian. I'm football share Talia. Long time listener, sometime presenter. Absolutely love the show. Big fan of your work. 
this week I would like to nominate something for Shirt Room 101 and I would love to nominate Borussia Dortmund shirts. Get in the bin. Now, I'm going to be a bit more specific. They're a great club. They've had some lovely shirts and, of course, they've got some brilliant fans. But every single shirt from 2000 onwards, overrated, rubbish, can get in the bin. They had some great kits during the 90s. They had a recently had a very good kit as well. But even that shirt, the limited edition Puma, was a throwback to a mid-90s shirt. And let's be honest, it seems to me like everybody who bought one has sold it on anyway. So for that reason, Borussia Dortmund shirts, overrated, Room 101. Very controversial this week from a, a brilliant supporter of the pod. I'm glad I'm hosting this week, so I don't have to give an opinion, do I? But who wants to start? So... I th- when I first heard this, I thought this is an absolutely outrageous statement. And then, little plug here for uh, if any- anybody's not used footballkitarchive.com before, it's an absolutely great website. So I went on there, flicked to 2000, and do you know what? Minus two shirts, he's absolutely bang on. They are fucking honking. Every single one of them. There, there is not a single... I own two of them. One of them I own is the wrongly labelled first ever blackout shirt for a football team when they released their coal and steel shirt, which comes in a lovely box. So I absolutely adore that shirt. And then the other one is the limited edition, but isn't limited edition because Puma realised how quickly it sold out. So they just opened it up so that everybody in the world could buy one and then they made to order. But yeah, literally, apart from those two, I think they're all stinking. Uh, I tell you what, Adrian, what can I say? He's like a bad fart that won't go away, even with the window right open, isn't he? You just can't <laughs> fucking get rid of him. Look, I, as, as a Bayern Munich shirt enthusiast, and, and it, I kind of, I call myself a little bit of a Bayern fan. I should hate everything Dortmund and all that shit. But I'm actually, I'm going to disagree because I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll go back with oldfootballshirts.com to your football kit archive because that's where I always go to. But um, <laughs> I'm just having a bit of a, a flick through. And I'll be honest, I, quite, I, I know the material's dog shit, but I like the, the T90 shirts they had. I actually, I really like that, that second stint they had with Nike. There's a couple of shirts in there that stick out in particular that are, uh, I would say, are kind of favourites me. And then even moving on to... Uh, the, the the cappers that they had they had some nice ones I think it starts to kind of deteriorate a little bit with Puma again but I don't think I don't think I'm on the side of the fence that can put them all in because of the bad ones that they've had since 2000 to be honest them ghoul ones can go in after your fucking quiz as well <laughs> <laughs> Simon come on we need we need you to to, to... Way the either side, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I I I've been on old football shirts as well. So we're two for one on on our you know our archive of choice. Um, yeah. I mean, I forgot these fucking shirts existed. So that you know, I mean, that's I think that's a, that's worse. You at least if a shirt could make you hate it, then fine. But these are just so fucking bland, and it just I cannot really picture any match where I would be like 
oh yeah, remember that kit in that game or whatever. Like I've just got it just comes a blank. You know what I mean? I, maybe like the the like the 2011 ring like that that just kind of a bare flicker in the I, deep I was, recesses of my brain. But other than that, it's just like ugh. I was gonna say to in to to be devil's advocate here. There is a shirt, and forgive me if I've got this wrong, but is it that Champions League final shirt they wore against um, Munich? Is it 11-12 or something like that? And it's really highly sought after. Imagine your highest sought after shirt being a fucking Champions League final you lost. That says it all. (laughs) (laughs) And it's got the dreaded no pattern on the back as well. So here we go. You can go and stab that one right in the stomach. (laughs) Well, and do you want to know what the... Do you want to know the final nail in the coffin is? So I was flicking through it. I've obviously got the coal and steel one. I have the 1920 away with a name set. I have this limited edition, not limited edition throwback with a name set. And just because they were so awful, I thought it was funny. I have the cup shirt, which was obviously the Puma third template shirt. And can anybody guess the same fucking name set that's on the back of all three of those shirts. Is, is he a grok? Is it a grok? Uh, can, can, can we do he's rock, a, rock, he's rock, a... should, should we do wrong answers only first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so because of that, the only shirts that I did like have that name set on it. So not only am I voting to put them in room of one, I will fucking drop kick them into room 101. <laughs> You can't do that to Manuel Akanji. How dare you? <laughs> so I think you've actually lost the vote, Mike. I think we're two to one. And I'm afraid well, I'm not going to come down on your side because I also think the 90s ones are pretty shit too and I'd put them in as well. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody has just decided to whip up the favour. I, th- I thought Adrian was going to really like screw me over after I did the signed shirt kit room which is funny because if he'd have been on this he would have seen that liverpool signed squad shirt in the back i would have got dogs abuse for it <laughs> but um so yeah i'm glad i'm glad you went with that and yeah dortmund 90s yeah there's some good ones but I'm, i'll be honest i'm quite sick of seeing them <laughs> that's it there dortmund barusha dortmund are in kit room 101 all of it all of it all of them I'm only joking. No, just the 2,000 shirts. Two to one was the vote. You can blame Adrian for that. So, yeah, so direct all your hate towards Adrian. And if anyone wants to nominate anything for Kit Room 101 next week, Roma shirts maybe, then get in contact via the DMs on the Twitter, on the pod's Twitter. And I hope you enjoyed it this week. It was a little different, but thank you all for joining me. I'll do a quick thank you to everybody again. I know we do it a lot, but obviously we, we get a lot of good feedback. The socials are are really good for hearing what all you guys think about what we're what we're doing and and how much shit we talk every week um and just a quick one again just another little thank you the 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 reviews that people leave on the sort of like your wherever you listen to your podcasts are really important to us i can see that spotify in particular they're creeping up where all all things considered not far from 100 reviews on there now which for a teeny tiny little podcast that means all five of you have left reviews many, many times. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it, it's good. It, it's really good for us. It's, it's good to hear the feedback. So keep it coming. And don't forget that if you've got any suggestions for the show, you can either DM us on Instagram, Twitter, or you can even email us on hello at ttkao.com. Perfect. And thanks for joining us today, Simon. I hope you enjoyed it too. Yeah, thanks for having me, lads. It's been a laugh. It's been a good laugh. 
and we will be back next week before we leave don't forget to check out uh, Scotland's new home shirt on JD Sports not coming to a competition anytime near <laughs> near you soon <laughs> <laughs> and on that note they think it's all over it is now <laughs>